Welcome, Willow Park Church. What a delight it is. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. And I want to wish you all a very happy Christmas. Or as we like to say, Merry Christmas. It's wonderful for us to be together and to be celebrating as you're sat at home, uh, perhaps with some family, a odd friend, I don't know. But I want to celebrate Christmas and declare that Christ is the saviour of the world. Let me read you some amazing words from uh, the prophet Isaiah that says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. And as we have celebrated Advent and as we have thought about the wonder of Christ coming to the world. On this Christmas Eve, we want to take a moment to give thanks to God and to remember lighting the final candle of Christmas. To remember that Christ came to bring us hope, to bring us joy, to bring us peace, to come into this world that we may have that Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we are able on this Christmas Eve to celebrate the goodness of God and to remember the greatest of gifts, to remember Jesus Christ, who came into this world, born of a virgin, to offer his life for us, to show us the light that shines in the darkness, who came to bring us back to God. What a blessing. And thank you on this Christmas Eve for all those that have joined us. And I pray for each of their families and their lives that you will bless them, that you will encourage them and that you will be with them. And for those who may feel particularly lonely this evening, I pray that there may be the full comfort of God, that you will fill their homes with your presence and that you will bless them. Thank you. Thank you for the child that was born. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's something so special about praying at Christmas. There's something special about celebrating the story and understanding. And we thought, as this is a very unique Christmas Eve, we thought that we would start this service off with a lovely humorous sketch that comes all the way from England. Our good friend David Robinson has prepared a sketch for us and I hope it gives you a smile this evening. So here it is. Hello, no room at the Holiday Inn, Bethlehem Branch. Wayne speaking. How may I help you? Oh yes, we're... Yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, we're very much looking forward to welcoming you, yes. Yeah, three single rooms for two nights. 
Yes, superior rooms, that's right. Yes, indeed. All the beds are king-size, yes. Yes, all the rooms have safes for your valuables, sir, yes. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow night, sir, then, yes? Oh, what time shall we uh, expect you? Seven o'clock, right. Oh, I, I, I see you've booked in advance for the evening meal, sir. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're very busy tomorrow, so that was a good idea, yeah. Yes, well done, yeah. Uh, yes, you are indeed a wise man, yes. All right, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow night, sir. Yes, look forward to it. Good night, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep your moment, sir. Uh, good evening, sir. Welcome to the new room of the Holiday Inn. I'm Wayne. How can I help you? Uh, room for the night. Uh, name of Joseph. I rang earlier. I believe I got your last room available. Oh, just a moment. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> the standard basic room, I see. Well, at least it's not raining. Um, just yourself, is it, sir? No, there's, there's two of us. Uh, my wife's just looking after the donkey. I see. And what name, please? Mary. And a lovely name for a donkey it is. <laughs> and your wife? No, she's called Mary. The donkey's called Little. Ah, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> well, as I say, I am afraid it is the standard basic room, so I hope you don't mind making your own beds. <laughs> no, uh, that's fine. Uh, good. You'll find some wood, a hammer and some nails in the corner. <laughs> Little joke there. No, no. Oh, oh, we do have our money-back guarantee here at the No Room of the Holiday Inn, so if you do find the other animals keeping you awake in the night, do let me know. I'm on duty all evening. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll get your key. Uh, are they going to be all right out there? Oh, yes. I, I, I must go and get the rest of the luggage. Um, she's heavily pregnant, you see. Oh, how lovely. Well, the vet just lives up the road, very friendly, so any complications in the night, just let me know. No, Mary, not the donkey. <laughs> right. So I'm guessing you're here for the registration of births, are you, and for the census? Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, the register office is in the next street, literally a two-minute trot away. Oh, that's good. I just need to take one or two more details, if you don't mind. It's the local government, you know what they like. They insist on it, you know, with, with the current situation being as it is. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. How can I help? Well, now, let me see. What have I got here? Your full name is... Joseph Carpenter. Joseph Carpenter. Lovely, yes, I see. And your wife is... Mary. Mary Carpenter? <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. You're the Carpenters. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? The Carpenters. We've got the Carpenters staying with us. <laughs> I bet you're feeling on top of the world. Have you quite finished, sir? We've only just begun. <laughs> Carpenters. So we have Joseph Carpenter. Let me see. And I'll just put this in. And Mary Carpenter. Davidson. Her name is uh, Mary Davidson. She's keeping her single name, is she? How very modern she is. Well, she is still single. Oh, I see. How very contrary for Mary. We are betrothed. Yes, sir, and we're discreet. <laughs> now, any ideas on the baby's name as yet? A uh, boy? Girl? It's a boy. He's to be called Jesus. And, um, <clears throat> he is your son, is he, sir? Well, he's everyone's. Well, that's very generous of you, sir, I must say. Uh, and the surname he will take is... King of Kings. 
king of kings. Oh, double-barreled. He's sure to make an impression on the world with a name like that now, isn't he? Oh, double-barreled king of kings. I'll have to keep an eye out for this lad, won't I? <laughs> Let me fetch your keys. We prepared ourselves for the impossible. Mary, my wife-to-be, my son and me, the carpenters, together. We settled down for the night, best we could. And then I heard it. I heard God whisper to me, humble servants, I'm close to you. I'm close to you. Closer than you'll ever know. Now, get some sleep. Wasn't it great? Great to see our good friend David Robinson uh, making us smile and always bringing it to a point of powerful, poignant moment. We're going to enter now a time of worship and we're going to celebrate Christmas as the band leads us in some carols to, to celebrate all that Christ has done.
So good to hear those carols being sung and to celebrate Christmas in that way. We've got a special moment coming up right now. And the children's department have been so busy. They've been busy throughout this whole COVID period, supporting our families, creating those lovely boxes. I think now we're up to close to 150 of those boxes go out to families. 
But one thing they wanted to do, because often on Christmas Eve we have a children's story. The children come and they sit on the stage. Of course we can't do that. But we did ask some of our children from our families to come in to the church and to tell us right now the Christmas story. So watch this. It is the cutest thing and I know you're going to enjoy it. So did mom and dad tell you why you're here today? Yeah, to talk about God and Jesus. One day Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel sent from God. And then he journeyed to find a home. A long trip. To Bethlehem. They rode there on a donkey. A donkey. A donkey. But all the inns and all the places were full, and the only place they could stay was a stable. Then they need to find a place to both him out. Mary and Joseph knocked on every single door, but no, every room was filled. And then they found, and then one man was kind, and they said that they could live in the stable. So she had her baby there. Horses, sheep, lambs, donkeys, all those kinds of sheep, lambs, horses, donkeys, and animals. Donkeys, sheep, too. All, all the people had to follow the star. And then a big star appeared in the sky, and all the shepherds saw it, and they took their sheep and they went to, and they followed the star. And, and it led them to baby Jesus. And the three Angel. wise men also saw the star and it led them to baby Jesus. And they followed it through really some good parts and not so good parts and the really bad parts. They saw the baby and they gave the baby frankincense, myrrh, and one gave gold um, to Jesus. There was a new baby named baby Jesus. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good job, guys.
Bethlehem and see in whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn. One thing I know about Willow Park Church is that we have not been in maintenance mode at all. You can't accuse us of not being active. As we've faced the challenges of closed church, we've tried to engage in our community, reach out. One of the brilliant ways we've done that, of course, is through uh, the stocking appeal. That Pastor Jordan led and championed and did such a wonderful job with. And so we've got a thank you video now that just uh, celebrates and shows you where those stockings that you made ended up. It's beautiful, fantastic. Followed by our good friend David Robinson, who wrote a sketch about stockings, which I know you'll enjoy. But we want to gain Say thank you. Thank you for your devotion and for your generosity. Hello, Willow Park Church. I am here surrounded by these wonderful Christmas stockings. Can you believe it? It was about a month ago that we asked you to make these stockings. And you went, you took the patterns, you got to work, and then suddenly hundreds of Christmas stockings arrived at the church. They arrived at South, they arrived at Lake Country. And with our church working together, you then came and picked them up. And you took them and you filled them so wonderfully. Look at these most amazing stockings with gloves and, and gifts and hats and little treats. And it's amazing and chocolates. And this is what you produced. Literally hundreds of these Christmas stockings. So we have now come to the end. Today, right now, they're going to be delivered to all those different agencies. You've been on mission. You've been reaching out. You've been giving. You've decided to serve Jesus in this way in the community. And I know that God will bless you. And we have a very special uh, drama sketch for Christmas Eve online that will capture the heart of why Christmas stockings. But first of all, 
thank you. Today, the stockings leave the church for the community. I came running down the stairs at breakneck speed and pushed open the door of the front room and there it was, the Christmas tree, lights twinkling warmly and round the fireplace as well. It was still dark outside, it was probably only five o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning. Presents were tumbling off the armchair onto the carpet in front of the fire. My Christmas stocking was hanging at the side of the fireplace, presents peeping out. I shall never forget that morning. Mind you, it was only last year and I'm 58 now. You, you would have thought I would have got used to the excitement of Christmas, but I haven't. My excitement for Christmas never wanes. I mean, the presents in the stocking, not quite as generous these days. Maybe a satsuma and a few peanuts if I'm lucky. I've been looking into the origins of the Christmas stocking. Tradition says it dates back to St. Nicholas and to the generosity of others. Back then, those in the town who had very little, struggling, or had a bad year, would wait. They would wait. They'd pin their empty socks and stockings outside their house and would wait. They would wait and they would benefit from the generosity of others, of the Christian saints who would fill their socks and stockings to overflowing and beyond. We need Christmas this year more than ever, I think. We need the friendship, the love, the peace, the generosity of others. We need to look out for those with empty socks and stockings. It's up to us to fill them for them. It's up to us to bring them the excitement of the Christmas morning, which is not long way off now. So happy Christmas. Wow, that puts a whole new meaning to stockings and the idea of giving and being generous to those who are in need in our community and also gives us some amazing historical context for making the stockings and also taking them to the community, to those who are the most vulnerable and sharing the love of Jesus. I love being a Christian, (laughs) which is good because I'm obviously your pastor, but I love it so much. And I'm so blessed by just the thought of what We have achieved in kindness and giving and sharing God's love. The message of Christmas is so, so compelling. It's so glorious. The story, the majesty, the wonder of God at work is just so compelling that it drives me to awe and wonder myself in how much Christ has given to us and just the beauty of of the Christmas message. And the difference it makes. You might feel like you're in the trenches of life. You might feel like life is just so uh, hard and tough at the moment. Just the week before Christmas, my son had to do a little um, project. 
I say little, we turned it into a mammoth project. He had to build a model of World War I trenches. And so we got to work. I got a big piece of wood. I got fully involved in this process. I leave, I leave the homework uh, in math to, um, to Michelle and, uh, and, and calculus and all of that. But I, I, I just was right in there with this project. He had to depict and create a scene that depicts the pain and the suffering of World War I soldiers through this model that he made. I was right in on this. We were down the dollar store. We were running, getting the stuff. I was buying stuff. I mean, it's hard to find World War I soldiers that look like World War I soldiers in the local dollar store. They're more kind of G.I. Joes and they've got muscles and they've got like automatic machine guns on their back. But we managed to get some and, and mold them and shape them so they look like uh, a, a representation of the soldiers that were in the trenches. And we made this and, and then we put uh, bush and, 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 and painted it brown and, and made it look all kind of dark and eerie and got... Um, clay out and we went for it and I want to tell you I got an awesome mark for this <laughs> we got a hundred percent yes it was great but it reminded me when I was sat talking to him about a story that really has only become known since the early 1980s when the BBC did a documentary about the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day of 1914. Already one million soldiers had died. On both sides, there'd been suffering and agony. And Christmas came and the message went through the, um, uh, the elite, the generals, the leaders of the coalition of the alliance there of France and and. Belgium and England saying, watch out for a surprise attack by the Germans over Christmas. We're expecting them to do something pretty dreadful, pretty dastardly. Well, what happened on Christmas Eve? It was actually a clear night in 1914. The moon was, was shining. Snow had actually fallen and it lit the whole of no man's land up. And then a sound came. German soldiers started to sing. They started to sing Silent Night. And as they sang, it echoed over the trenches and over the wasteland. And they sang away. And as they sang, the English soldiers were stunned for a moment. And they listened. Silent night. Silent night. As the Germans finished, the British troops erupted into cheers and clapping and they instantly started to sing the first Noel. And as they sang that, the Germans listened to the first Noel being sung. 
And at the end of this, a kind of sing-off started between the German trenches and the Allied trenches. And they were singing to each other. And it finally ended in, come all ye faithful, sang in Latin. I guess in those days, a lot more people sang and understood Latin. And both sides sang, come all ye faithful, in Latin. Whenever I read this story of that night, it always makes me tear up. Makes me feel deeply emotional because of the horror of war. But in the moment there, something beautiful happened. And then the English looked for a moment and they couldn't believe what they saw. Christmas trees were being put up over the trench by the Germans. And and lights were being strung out and lanterns were appearing. And one German soldier shouted out, do you want some tobacco? And a young, a young private shouted, I'll have some tobacco. And he got out of his trench and walked across no man's land and was greeted by another German soldier and they exchanged gifts. People started to come out and meet each other. The Germans brought out snaps and they brought out um, all these sausages and lovely foods. And, and the English brought out tea, of course, and cake. And they, they stood there. The Germans brought out then cigars and, and, and they exchanged gifts where they'd formerly been shooting at each other. And so many people had died. They took photographs. They exchanged actually addresses and they said that they would meet up after the war, either in London or Munich. It's all well documented. In fact, it was suppressed by the British because they thought it would be bad for morale to know that the Germans were just like us. And in fact, many of the letters said, can you believe it, mom and dad, while you were eating your turkey, I was talking to the Germans. Even one young guy ended up in the German um, trenches and was taken to an old wine cellar and there sat around with a group and they drank a bottle of wine. But something else happened. They decided to bury the dead just outside of a small Belgian town. And they had a joint service and they buried the dead and they sang together. The Lord is my shepherd. And I've often asked myself the question when I read that story and think about it. And there are so many reports and beautiful letters. Ask yourself the question, gosh, It was on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, that that moment happened. And I want to remind you that the message of Christmas and that event captures the reason for Christmas, captures the heart of Christmas. Yes, there was singing. Yes, there was food. Yes, there was exchanging of gifts. And there was even a soccer game. Germany beat England, nothing new there, 3-1. And then England beat Germany 4-1. I've even got the results. They all came together as one under what we call Christmas. 
Why and how? Well, Christmas is about joy. Christmas is about peace. Christmas is about the end of war and pain and agony. Christmas is about forgetting the 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 resentment and the hatred we feel against others. Christmas is about getting out of our trenches and being willing, being willing to love. Why? Why love? Why care? Why get out of our trenches? Why get out of the mud? Why get out of all of that? Why? Because Christ came to fetch us back and to rescue us and to bring us back to God. The message of Christmas is so remarkable and we're reminded this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And of course, last week, Pastor Jordan spoke about the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit on Mary's life. And that's exactly the way we want to live, being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that's why Christmas was so powerful in the trenches of the First World War. Because the purpose of Jesus was to break down barriers and to save us from our sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Whenever God is with us, whenever God is present, whether in our homes today or whether in the trenches in the Christmas of 1914, when God turns up with peace, with with joy, with reconciliation, God comes and makes a difference because he sent his son, Emmanuel. These are remarkable words. They're remarkable words for a number of reasons. They're remarkable because this is a Jewish writer, Matthew, writing to a Jewish uh, audience and declaring something incredible. He's declaring that Jesus Christ is God. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a clever guru. He's not somebody who is a religious leader who has an ability to speak philosophical words and put his prose together and be able to communicate such great kind of human truth. No, he's not a human teacher. The Jewish writer is telling a Jewish audience the unthinkable and the unthinkable is that God became man. In fact, he's quoting from the scriptures that they would have known well from Isaiah 7, verse 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
You see, the Jewish thinkers and theologians and the Pharisees thought that this idea, Emmanuel, God with us, talking about the Messiah, was probably just figurative. It was like there will be a Messiah. Of course, he won't be God, but he'll have God-like attributes. Matthew is writing here and telling us that it wasn't figurative, like some kind of figure that will appear like a King Arthur to save the world and to come like Camelot, who has great character and he can lead people and creates a round table and defeats evil. And his, his attributes are good. No, he's not saying it's like this or a kind of redeemed version of Alexander the Great who conquers the world. He's actually saying it's not figurative. It's not somebody that has God-like attributes. No way. It is literal. God became human and dwelt amongst humanity to bring peace and to bring life and to bring deliverance. And for the Jewish community, this was staggering. This is amazing. Now, of course, they knew from the pagan world that um, that God did occasionally take human form. I mean, Hermes and Zeus, there are stories of them coming down and taking on the form of an old lady or a person. But they were more like Marvel characters. They weren't all-powerful, infinite, all-knowing, supreme, um, omnipotent in their, in their, in their presence. They, they came in limited form. In fact, the ancient gods, there's stories about how they were created. Whereas Yahweh, the God of the Jews, he wasn't created. He has always been. And so for them to declare that God became man was remarkable. For Paul to believe this, for Matthew to believe this is incredible. Because what they're actually saying is exactly what Paul wrote. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. All the fullness of the deity was poured into Christ. And at the same time, he was every bit God. He was also every bit man. Now, we saw that in his life. We saw the way that he, he, he did things that, was, that belonged to God. He actually forgave sins and only God can forgive sins. He said, your sins are forgiven. He actually declared that he would return and judge the world. Well, the judgment of the world only belongs to God. And, and as uh, Peter says at the beginning of his letter, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Through our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus said himself, before Abraham was born, I am. You see, the incarnation of God becoming man, becoming a baby, born at Christmas, is the most profound miracle. Let me explain this. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, then everything else falls into place. If you believe in the miracle that, that a baby was born and that was God coming into the world as he was there 
with his little gurgles and his vulnerability and, and needed to be fed and looked after by human parents. And you believe that that baby was divine, was God himself coming on that mission, then everything else becomes easy to believe. Him walking on the water, easy. Him raising the dead, easy. Him speaking to the multitudes, easy. Why? Him being nailed to the cross and dying and rising on the third day, easy. Because he was God, the creator of heaven and earth that came into this world as a baby on a rescue mission to come and to rescue us, to come and to do something remarkable. To come and to fetch us back to himself. You see, humanity is lost. That's why you have First World War. Humanity is in darkness and ignorance and evil. And we needed to be saved. And God himself is the only one that could deal with the cosmic problem of sin and evil and darkness and ignorance in the world. And so God himself came in a vulnerable form and lived amongst us and was nailed to the cross and rose on the third day to deal with the universal problem of sin because only an eternal God, an all-powerful God, can deal with the power of sin and he did. He came to fetch us. He came to rescue us. He came to grab hold of us. And he came to this world. And when Jesus was born at Christmas, it was when love came to town. God came. He brought love to the world. So we can sing from our trenches uh, the, the beautiful, beautiful carols of, of Silent Night and the first Noel and come all ye faithful because he brings an end of, of pain with each other and pain and enmity towards God. Oh, when somebody turns up in your town, it makes a difference. I remember and a lot of you I know are watching The Crown at the moment and uh, the story of the British royal family. And of course, the crown is a fictitious dramatization of, of, of how they perceive the family works and is. And of course, it's had a lot of criticism. But the one very poignant moment is, is Princess Diane trying to fit into the royal family. And she's struggling. And there's that battle of relationship and that pain. I remember one day when I was a young man, uh, in the centre of our town, there was a lot of commotion and I followed the crowd and I could see the crowds gathering and I climbed on a wall. I was cheeky and I climbed up a, a lamppost and as I was on this lamppost, I looked down and you know who walked right past me? Princess Diana wearing a beautiful white dress and I shouted out, Diana, Diana! <laughs> and she, she looked at me and as she looked, she smiled. It, it made my day. I walked through the rest of the week and I was smiling all the time. Our whole town was, was depressed. But when she turned up, she brought a smile. And we, that's all we could talk about. Did you see Diana? She changed everything for a week or so in our depressed town. 
But when Christ turned up at Christmas, the light of the world, he came to change everything, to give us that relationship with God and to bring us back to God. It's so wonderful and so remarkable and so amazing. He came to fetch us. He came to bring us back. And when we believe the miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of Christmas, that God became man. Fully God, fully man, but chose to live as a man. It gives us hope. It gives us hope with the pain we're going through. It gives us hope with the difficulties we're facing. It gives us hope. It changes everything. Oh yeah, the incarnation, it's, it, it's, it's life transforming. It changes everything about history when Emmanuel, God with us, came to be with us. What does Emmanuel actually then really mean to us? It means he is God, yes, he is also man, but he is human. But because he became human, You've got hope. This Christmas, you've got hope. And all you have to do is reach out to him and ask him to come to the trench of your life and to bring light and to bring hope and to bring the greatest gift, which is salvation. And I know if you pray and reach out, God will meet with you. When love came to town, it changes everything. Let's celebrate together with this final carol right now. Your 
Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Sleep. 